it's time to put on our fake podcast personas now. This is my radio voice. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, WKGB 5487. I'm your host, Billy Teens. Billy Teens. What is your weird creep? My name is. You like thinking about teens. I don't like that. You can't put that out. Now, this is going to have to. No, this is fine. Oh, this is fine. (laughs) You don't like teens. No, I don't. I'm just Billy Teen. Billy Teen. Just say that call number again. You can't because you made it up. Well, yeah, I, I'm not going to go th- around throwing real radios out there. Radios. What's Stations. up? Look at that rapper. Aw, it's flown by like Katy Perry. No, that's a plastic bag. So. That's like a rapper. Right. Welcome, everybody, to the Pen Pals Podcast. I'm your pen pal, Egg. I'm Jess. It's the 4th of July. GG. Oh. Well, we can use your real name if you want. I don't care. Okay. Alright. Try finding me. Try finding... They can't. I can't even find you. You ain't know my last name. You ain't know my first name. And you don't know... They don't know your struggle. You don't know my life. Mm Mm-mm. You know my name, not my story. We'll keep your name a secret. You'll just be Egg. Okay. Well, Egg is what you call me anyways. Yeah. We've gone... We've you're the one that wants to hide the. You want to be anonymous. So I could care less. I thought you. You're the one who said we should use our fake names. No, when we first you're the started. one that said that. No. Yeah, because you gave me a fake name just for this podcast and no. I, for the YouTube channel. I said fine. I guess. I don't care. My name is Jess. No, I think you said. Then you. Don't no, it wasn't me. Name. I'm the one that. No, it wasn't me. Wasn't me. Then I think then it was you. Why well, nothing to hide? I'm not the one dropping f bombs. Okay, you dropped you drop f bombs. I've been, I was good last time. I've been so good. Well, last time I did, two times ago. And you've been like, we have to keep the state a secret where we live. I don't. Okay. Well, then we'll just be more. This is the new fresh open podcast. I just don't see the point in hiding because what are we? What are people gonna do? Oh, we live in Wisconsin. Good luck finding it. There's six million people living here. Good luck finding the two of us. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm with you. You know what I'm all right, saying? All right. This is the new Fresh and Open Pen Pals podcast. Do you and, want to tell uh, our exact address? South Central, right? Southeast Wisconsin, where we live, is the most populated area. So even That's better. A good point. Even better luck finding us. We're hiding. We're surrounded by the three major cities in That's this true. state. We're not far from Milwaukee. What's the third? We're not far from Madison. We're not far from Green Bay. So come oh, find Green us. Green Bay is the third. And it's I, close. I, They're I, all cl- relatively close. We're in the middle. We're triangulated into the perfect triangulate. position. You know what? You want to know? I live in Wapan. Oh. Good luck finding me. That that part is good be lu- gone. Why? Because Wapan is so small. No. No, it's not. I don't live in Wapan. Ooh. 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 All right. So you went. Okay. <laughs> I didn't tell them where you live. Well, I, I don't live in, like, a city. No, you don't. So, I'm just in the back. I live in the back area, too. You do? My, yeah. at, my technically, the address is Wapan. That's all I'm going to say. All right. You want my address? My address? Here's my address. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's probably not the great idea. You've got <laughs> some good me. ones bumping <laughs> around in there, but that probably wouldn't be one of them right there. Why? What? Telling people online your exact address? I can't think. Hold on. Let me rack my brain so I can figure out why that wouldn't be great. Oh. Oh, It is the 4th of July uh, today. It's hot. When we're recording this, it's so gosh darn hot. It's hot. I I like 
I'm all about that cold weather. Give me that fall. Even winter's not so bad. Because, like, you can get away from it. You can get away from cold weather. Hot weather, what are you going to do? You have to hide inside by your AC all, all the time, and even that doesn't help sometimes. That's the thing about Wisconsin. People think, oh, it's cold in the winter. So it's nice all year round. No, it's hot in the summer. It's humid. Mm-hmm. And it's sickening. Mm-hmm. I hate summer. I'm just it ready for it to be over. sucks. It's only July. And we're all, you already want summer to be done. Yeah, I do. I hate summer. I hate it. I just hate it. I, I love October. October's my favorite month. Like, just one October. October is good. You know, you got Halloween. You got mm-hmm. All Hallows Eve. Speaking of Halloween, um, these next two episodes, well, three probably, we're going to be reading our stories from this month. Yeah. And, uh, well, it'll be two. We'll read yours and then a viewer story, and then we'll read my story on the next podcast. Right. Well, no, it'd be the podcast in two weeks that they get. Right. And then after that, we're going to go with a um, horror theme for our stories. Oh, are we? I thought you wanted to. No, I guess we could. I don't remember that. We must have talked about it. Right. Because you had a bad dream and you were writing a story. Yeah. And then we're maybe not using oh, that one. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that now. Do you want to dive into some of these stories we've been cooking up? Why don't I read that story you wrote? Oh, you want to read the story I wrote? Yeah, then you can read the one the viewer wrote. Okay. If you hear, like, gagging or cringing, uh, that's just me trying not to throw up uh, while listening to my story. Yeah, but the fifth one is not. That's alright, that's alright. Is it 16 font, double space, like you usually do? To make yeah. things look bigger? 14 space. Oh. 14 font, actually. Oh. I've been slimming down. 14 space. <laughs> 14 <laughs> lines between Looks like the Japanese place is closed for the holiday. That's ironic. You can go to a little that? Mickey D's and get a sandwich. Why is that ironic? Because it's Japan and it's America independence, but they took the day off. Oh. Well, I mean, they're, they're citizens here. They live here. They enjoy our bounty. And our but the McDonald's is open. The McDonald's is open. The most American restaurant at all, of all is, uh, is still open. That's all right. Yeah. You do you, Japanese restaurant. That's very good. So good. I'm sorry, I'm fiddling. All right. Here you go. All right, I'm going to read it. It's got your full name on it. I'll oh, don't read that. Read that. Don't, don't read that. Oh! He's reaching between my legs. Alright, the microphone fell. Uh, my crotch. I'm so sorry. My crotch is a hot commodity lately. Alright. The Prisoner Vax by M. Egg M. <laughs> Since he doesn't want me to say his name. Vax's violet eye shot open suddenly. Something was off. He remained still and took notes of his surroundings. The bed he lay on was still hard and cold. The toilet next to his head still reeked of his own fecal matter. What else was there? The silvery prison wall he faced still had a crotch rear end etched into it. The scarlet energy field at his back still hummed dangerously. Except Vax realized it didn't. It had been replaced with sudden silence. Vax, an uncomfortably familiar voice, said. Vax let out an annoyed click and sat up. 
making sure to stretch out his jagged back before turning to face his visitor. Before him stood the very creature responsible for his imprisonment. How do you say that? Rock? Uh-huh. Sure. Rock your king of the chers? <laughs> yeah. Well, he stood adorned in his usual attire, a dark orange scale armor accented nicely by his own purple and white skin. His eyes were large and black, pictures of oblivion. Just above them rested a fringe of purple spikes that encircled the top of his squarish head. Your wife is fine, by the way, he said. I know your pride keeps you from asking. Vax didn't say anything, but simply continued to stretch his arms with an unhurried ease. Vax climbed to his feet and began to make his way towards the king. Though his mouthless face gave away no intent, his eyes raged. Easy, friend, Rock said. She still believes you to be a hero. With his stony fist still clenched, Vax halted his march. Sense told him that Rock had planted his best marksman around his wife's quarters. Should any harm come to the king, her execution would be carried out immediately. There is, of course, time for you to prove her right, Rock's, Rock told Vax. One mission is all that is required. Just one more meaningless species eradicated and you shall be reunited with your lover. <laughs> Vax stared into Rock's eyes, taking in the nothingness, what lay within them. Sincerity? Cruelty? Perhaps Vax thought the most powerful king in a thousand eons was about to commit his gravest error. If Vax could smile, he would have. Instead, he simply nodded his grayish head and waited for the king to detail his assignment. Sam and Daryl had responded to the call as quickly as possible. They were in the middle of Auntie Merrill's everything but the feet dinner special, so it took a good half hour, but they were still the first ones on the scene. The scene was an old oak barn at the corner of Mr. Thompson's property. Surprised they managed to see someone sneaking around this far from the house, Daryl commented as he slammed the car door behind him. Well, I reckon Chuck and Susie were out here trying to get a little privacy, Sam replied. Kids must have been real spooked, Daryl said, though he was practically a kid himself. I suspect Chuck was more pissed off than anything else, Sam laughed, his beer belly jiggling uncontrollably. The two pulled out their flashlights and approached the ancient planks that made up the barn door. With a hard shove, Daryl forced the barn doors, doors open, much to the protest of its metal rolling inside. Or inside lay long-forgotten golden piles of straw. Dust hung everywhere in the air. The humid June weather didn't help matters either. Sam reached for the red handkerchief hanging out of his back pocket and wiped off the sweat from his balding head. The two ventured deeper into the barn, passing abandoned stables and rusted equipment at the far end of the barn, rest of the truck-sized hole which allowed the men a picturesque view of the neighboring cornfield. Gingerly, Sam stepped over the pieces of wood that now littered the floor. Suddenly, a strange clicking sound grabbed his attention. Immediately, his hand went to his gun. Daryl, he called. Sam's pleas was met with the chirping of distant cicadas and a soft clicking noise. Daryl, Sam called out again, slowly removing his gun and inching back into the barn. Suddenly, the straw piles of Sam's right began to rustle without pause. Sam fired three rounds into the hay. Immediately, two raccoons emerged from the straw pile and booked it for the door. Ha! Sam laughed nervously. Must be losing my mind, getting spooked like that. Sam holstered his gun and turned to return to the car. Sure that he would find Daryl waiting there, but he never got that far. As soon as Sam turned, he found two violet eyes staring back at him, and then everything went black. Ooh, how's yeah. your arm? Tired? It's a little tired. <laughs> I was holding up the mic the whole time, but... Wow. that's pretty nice. Are you going to continue that story, or is it just that in there? I might. Well, I mean, if our next thing... 
If our next theme is horror, I could continue it. Yeah. I could even roll some more story cubes for you. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun, I think. I think. So what were the elements you had? Uh, I had an alien king. Yeah. I had a galaxy and yeah. a planet. Oh. The galaxy part kind of skipped over accidentally, but galaxy and planet were pretty close yeah. to each other, so. Wow. Yeah. That was good. Thank you. I try, man. Yeah. I'm real nervous. You should continue it. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to hear yours. Oh, one day. <laughs> Someday. One day. Alright, so this story is from a listener named Elliot Rose. Elliot also is a podcaster. He hosts a podcast called What's Your Damage, which is a 5e actual play podcast. I think that's Dungeons and Dragons? I think so. Yeah. I've always wanted to play D&D, but I never have. We should. We should. We always say that, but we don't. No, but we should. But we should. Alright, this... uh, The story is called The Writing is on the Cave Walls. From her study on the second story of the main keep of her city, Xayo could see the six-person procession of the Green Knight's guards, their fine forced green robes laced with silver trim. Heine had warned her of this last night. Based on Parton's wild gesticulations, she guessed the guards would soon be in Mulhound, regardless of invitation. Zio released the claps on her shawl, multicolored with lines of azure, ruby, and saffron, a Sunan design. The colors and patterns of the shawl in stark contrast to the textile work of the colored nations in Gaila. <coughs> Taking her shawl, she laid it down on her desk and put a book over it, one in the common tongue of the kingdoms. Quickly, she wrapped the books in the shawl and whispered, Listen, Nunciate audience. The saffron linens in her shawl lit up, affirming that now, for the next two hours, each person in Mulhound would be able to understand and speak common as if it were their native language. Xayo refastened the shawl as she stood up and went to the room immediately to her right. The sleeping form lay there in the middle of the bed. Xayo smiled, tight, wanting to go and sit beside the girl and stroke her hair. However, she closed the door and said, untraceable, unknown, unseeable. As she finished the incantation, the ruby in her shawl lit up and the door disappeared. With the, pre- with the preparations done, she headed downstairs. Gaius was away, or else he would be the one saddled with the duty of greeting these guards. You're a child. <laughs> what? So, hold on, don't interrupt the story, please. I'm kidding. I am a child. But after visiting with Hina last night and the disagreement between him and the female giant, Gaius was given a day to himself. Miss, I'm sorry. I simply cannot allow you to come into our city. There is a certain order to the things we... I understand that there is an order to the way you do things. However, what I am saying is I supersede that order, said the woman at the front of the Knight's Guard. She was tall taller than most human women, and she wore a hooded robe. Unlike the rest of her party, her robes were trimmed with gold, and she had on her back what looked to be an enormous bow, much larger than even finely trained soldiers should be able to hold and wield. Zeo's eyes went large. 
Pardon, please. Allow me to take things from here. Xio took her guard's shoulders and moved him, and moved even with him. She now looked at the woman in the front of the knight's guard and bowed deeply, pushing Pardon's shoulder down with her so she, he would follow. It is an absolute honor to have the Green Knight herself visiting us, visiting us here in Mulhound. At that, she could feel Pardon jump a bit, and when both of them finished their bow, he kept his eyes down. The Green Knight's eyes were steady on Zio. So, you'll allow me into your village? Of course, my knight, Zio said. The Green Knight's eyes flat, briefly flitted on Zio's shawl. May I ask the purpose of the visit? Zio said. The Green Knight stepped past the threshold, and her five guards joined her. Warning and understanding, the Green Knight said, taking a, par a pause. What's your name? Your station? Zio laughed a brittle laugh. I am Zio, leader of Mulhound. Would you like to come to come to our town center? Perhaps some refreshments for you and your guard. The Green Knight stopped several yards before the center, licking, licked her finger, and held it aloft. It's strange. Before the Bladesinger War, before I became the leader of Cullen, I traveled every inch of this land. That's how Grim and I... Grim? Zao said. The Green Knight shook her head. The Red Knight. That's how we found the springs of Dolphind. With her finger still held high, she pointed due south. It's four miles that way. I also know that if we go two miles northeast, We'll find the pair of pockmarked trees, which demarcates where the children of the Fae's forest begins. The same place where Eleanor was murdered, and Evangelion, and Ross scattered to the winds. The Green Knight then continued walking towards the center. Yet, I have never once seen this village. I have never seen buildings like this, and most importantly... I've never seen a shawl like yours. Zio sped up to catch up with the Green Knight. The world is large, my dear knight. The Green Knight looked down at Zio. Not for me. Zio opened the doors to the city center and bowed, allowing the Green Knight and her retinue. Retinue? What? Retain? Yeah. Retain to enter. Through the right hallway, you'll find the meeting area. There should be enough seats for all of us, Zio said. As the final guard walked past her, Zio held her shawl and whispered, Meeting room, green night, accomplishments, paintings. The zero stripes in her shawl started to glow. When Zio arrived in the meeting room, the green knight was seated at the head of the table. Although there was more than enough room for her guards to sit, all five were standing behind her at either side. The Green Knight had a vague smile on her face as she looked at the painting to her right. In the portrait, the Green Knight had her bow and squarely at the down head of Giftin, the ancient red dragon that appeared in Gallia after the Bladesinger War. The ancient red dragon that, when slain, erupted, unleashing a torrent of silver thorn poison which showered desolation down on the northern part of the Red Nation, creating the Withered Lands. If the prismatic queen were not there to protect the knights, they would have met the same fate. This painting was new to Zio. What usually hung in its place was not was one of Zio, Gaius, and her countrymen, that now made up the population of Melhond, fleeing soon the apocalypse behind them. You're a fan of my work, the Green Knight said. 
Of course. The Green Knight smiled at this. Zio? Zio nodded. I need to warn you, Zio. There's reports going around that Evangelion and Ross are resurfacing. Zio paused. She'd been told the same by Shabalin, the, pur the Purple Knight. Evangelion, the most feared of Bladesingers for her savage, mocking cruelty in battle, had come to Zio in a moment of lucidity after the war, had given Namala to her with the expression of purpose of keeping the girl away from Evangelion. Both Zio and Evangelion had known that the chain of events would allow Evangelion re-entry into Mulhound were so specific and unlikely they didn't register as concern for Zio until she talked to Heine last night. She would see Heine again tonight, look at the chalk drawings on the, giant, on the giant's cave wall that Gaius was so against viewing. Who told you this? I thought they were dead, Zio said. Never mind who told me. And yes, we thought them dead. But unfortunately, the dead don't seem dead, it seems. The Green Knight stood. Apparently, they're given to some strange occultic beliefs from the dead continent Suono. They want to raise the... Moonfire and Sunfire Phoenix, Zio said. The Green Knight turned slowly towards Zio. You know the old myths? I was... Zio paused. I used to study those things when I was a younger woman. The Green Knight brushed back a bit of her black curly hair and said, You know the myth of the Moonfire and Sunflower Phoenix? Zio nodded. At the beginning, before time, before space... All that existed was the sun and the moon, ever circling one another in a cosmic dance. One day the fire of the sun touched the moon, and two phoenixes appeared. The sunfire phoenix raged and racked at the nothingness, tearing into the fabric of emptiness and created ash. The moonfire phoenix took the ashes and created the plains and worlds within them. She waited for the sunfire phoenix and its brilliant, violent wings to fly over these new creations and bring passion into those empty worlds. The Moonfire Phoenix took the passion and tempered it with empathy. After this, first the first beings were made, and Gilo and Suno, sisters, ever knowing of each other but never meeting. The Green Knight laughed. Oh, it's such a lovely little fairy tale. Some don't believe it's fiction, my dear knight, Zio said, her lips pulled tightly. Of course it is. But people will go to extreme lengths in the name of story and belief. And I think Evangelion and Ross are willing to kill for it. People will do what they most know to face, know in the face of uncertainty, Zio said. And with their threats, I'm going to do what I must, which is protect my land and my continent against them. Zio stood. I have full confidence that you will, my knight, she said, then bowed. Orange light dappled into the conference room. The clouds they could see through the windows were purple and swollen. It's getting late, the Green Knight said. You must tell me where you got that shell. It's entrancing. My second, my second, Gaius, is an excellent tailor. Perhaps he can make one for you. I would like that, the Green Knight said. She looked at her guard. Let's head back to Stimbala. Shimbalan is arriving tonight. And with that, the knight and her guard left the Mohound. Zio wondered if Parton had taken a breath during their entire visit, even though he was at the guard tower. As soon as the green knight and her guard disappeared over the horizon, Zio took her shell and re recited, In the cave, the auger, and giant. The
entire shell lit up as she placed it on the floor, crossed her arms, and fell straight back into it. At the mouth of the cave, deep within the trenches of the dead river cannons, Heine Harp stood as tall as any of one of the buildings in Mulhound. The giant auger, her violet eyes steady, I expected you. The knight just left. She did. Now you seek Gaius's destiny. Yes. The giant turned her back to Zio and entered the cave, carrying a piece of silver chalk the same color as Gaius's armor. It was ink black inside. A gold piece of chalk the size of Zio's thigh lay at the mouth of the cave. A great fire lit, and the giant held a torch beside her face. You fear loss. Zyro said nothing. You have lost so much. You will lose more. Come, if you wish to mourn what will be. Zyro took a deep Zyro took a breath and entered the cave. It was well after dark when she returned to Mulhound. The first face to greet her was Gaius's. Mix Miss Zio, where have you Gaius stopped? He leaned in and sniffed smelling the smoke of the great torches and the earth of the cave floor. The, gi the giant? Zio nodded. The future is not ours to know, Zio. This man, her oldest friend, the one who told her when she was not yet a woman, when her name was still Min, that she was to be the next Zio, and the Sunyan, whose destiny it w is to protect all her people, looked like a concerned mother dealing with a frequently delinquent daughter. Gaius, let's not. Zio paused and looked at him. She placed her hand on his face, smiling gently. Gaius slightly shook his head, his eyebrows knitting together. Are you tired, Miss Zio? Did Finch like the suit you made? It is late, Miss Zio. I can tell you tomorrow after a good night's rest. Tell me about Finch and his husband now, please, Zio said softly. Gaius smiled, a few missing teeth, a reminder to their final desperate fight in their homeland. He did. You know Finch and his shop and the clocks? All day. Tick tock. The green gold dragon talks talks. It's an afternoon of talk talk. Of talk talk. I know, Zio laughed. You tell me each time you two see each other. I tell you because you always laugh when I say it, Miss Zio. I laugh because it makes you happy to tell me. Gaius looked at her. You should rest, Miss Zio. The purple night is coming tomorrow, and you want to be at your best. Where's Namla's door? Oh, Zio shook her head and went to the stairs. I hid her when the green knight came. Shall I feed her, Zio said. No, let me. Yes, Miss Zio. Gaio said. He started to remove his enormous armor, beginning with the silver headpiece, which had horns like the Keridans in Suna. She noted he only had one streak of color in his white hair. When he told her she was to be Zio, his hair was dark as night. She smiled to herself as she got food from the kitchen, and returned to the hidden doorway beside her study. Reappear, be safe, my dear. The ruby in her shawl returned to its normal color, and she opened the door to see Namala asleep, as she had, as she had been ever since she brought to Mulhon, was brought to Mulhon that night. Zio sat beside the girl and stroked her hair, feeling the tiffling horns like ram's horns underneath. As she did, Zio noticed the wrinkles in her own hands, the, the blossoming liver spots at the fleshy part between her thumb and forefinger, 
Her finger, her fingers calloused from weapon training, but now also, at times, unsteady. She looked at the sleeping girl and placed her shawl over her as she propped her up in fed her soup. She kept her shawls over Namla as she read from the clever sister's Trouble in Trouble. As she read, she could see brief smiles on the girl's thin face. After finishing the same chapter in both Common and Sunan, she rubbed Namla's chest where the shawl lay, whispering, love in three different languages sunan common and infernal as she did the ruby azur and saffron lines in her shawl started to glow sayo liked to think that the incantation would reach into the dreams of the internally sleeping girl a prayer of certainty in an unknown place before returning to her study sayo went to gazis's room taking care to be quiet in case, in case he was sleeping. Instead of sleeping, he was in his robes, in meditation, kneeling at an altar of the moonfire phoenix. Zaya gasped. In Hyna's cave, she'd seen Gaius in the same position, kneeling. Two of Evangelion's blades run through him, dying in their great hall. Gaius opened his eyes and turned to her. You look as if you've seen a ghost, Miss Zayo. Zayo thought for a moment careful to keep her face calm. All I see is you, Gaius. And that's the end of the story, kids. Woohoo! Yeah. I liked it. I like this hill. It's very fantasy. Yeah. And it makes sense if he does do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Yes. I'll have to check it out. I hope, I imagine it's in the same world, but it might not be. I like his vocabulary. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. I had to read that because I don't like trying to pronounce names. Oh, really? Is that why? Yep. Oh, and then I hit you up with Vax and Rook and... Which wasn't that hard. Oh, okay. Unless okay. I was mispronouncing it. No, you didn't mean <laughs> I don't care. I like uh, it. I, I like it. Too. Obviously, he probably does, but... Right. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like the sense of foreboding. Like, are the colored knights good? Bad? What are they? What, what are, are they? they? What side? Pick a side. Pick a side. Any side. It's like Applebee's. Applebee's. Huh? Got those good bees. Put them in your mouth. Applebee's is not great. It's okay. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's been the story edition of the Pen Pals podcast. It's a little shorter today, but yeah. that's fine. We were just reading stories. Yeah. Hope you all enjoyed. Uh, if you have any stories for next month, uh, please send them in to us. We would love to read it. Yeah. Uh, send in to our email at sugarditch123 at gmail.com. And uh, give us what you want us to call you if you don't want us to use your full name. Uh, if you don't give a crap like uh, Jess, then just give us your name. I don't care. I don't care anymore. No. All right. Bye. Bye. Who gave you that hickey? What hickey? You have a hickey on your neck. No, I don't. What is that? So hold on. How is this still recording? Oh.